Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. We have two distinguished guests today. We have Mitchell and Sheridan. Welcome, guys, to the show. They started an amazing company we'll hear about today called Lend Table, and we'll walk through their journey together as individuals, and then that fortuitous meeting point where they came together and created something beautiful. Um, so, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Excited to be on. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. And I'm here too, guys, just so that we all are aware. My <laughs> name's Alex. I'm the co-host of this show. Uh, good to hear all your smiling voices on the radio. So thanks for being there, guys. All right. Well, now we've got the whole crew here together. Why don't we start out with you, uh, Mitchell? Give us a sense for your background and story. I know that you and Sheridan obviously working together now, but the, the genesis of your of your idea it really came at the same time from two different places. So let's hear kind of your background, how you got into to fintech, and how you how you kind of came up to the point where Lend Table came into the picture. Yeah, no, th- thanks for asking. It's it's funny because life is about meeting and seizing opportunities when you get them. And I think Sheridan and I's story is very much that. Um, we were literally traveling our own journeys and own paths, and then one day they they kind of collided. Kind of like like you see it in some of the movies sometimes. Uh, but a little bit about me, you know, I'm someone who very much I just am obsessed and really care a lot about fintech, specifically around helping people with financial inclusion. And a lot of that comes from my background. So I'm from a lower middle income community in uh, Dayton, Ohio. So shout out there. As you can see, I'm wearing a Ohio State <laughs> little the crew, Ohio crew State University. <laughs> the Ohio State University. Um, and, you know, for me, I was always told growing up that the ways for me to live a good life were going to be to save my money and get a good education. Um, I didn't have any money to save. So I was like, well, I guess I got to get a good education. And, um, you know, so for me, one of the pieces of access that kind of started me on my journey was getting into college. So went to school on the East Coast at Yale and didn't know what I was going to do when I was there because I didn't want to be a doctor, lawyer, politician, things that I thought, oh, I guess this is what the kids do these days when they kind of get into you know, a, a good school. And I had a few friends who said, check out finance and um, got an internship at a, an investment bank, learned a ton, right? Learned that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And that all you got to do is diversify away your risk and you can really, really like generate wealth. And that was something that felt like my eyes were open, right? To the point where after my first summer, I went back home, went to my parents and said, Hey, uh, can I see how you guys are saving your money? And they were like, huh, dangerous. Dangerous <laughs> question. I've had yeah, that so one. Like, like, okay, on. college kid. Talking about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that was a, that was a, a heck no, uh, as I'll say kindly on this. There was maybe some other words used, but, um, the big thing there was specifically around, I was just not going to take no for an answer. I was like, I got to see, because I just know you guys haven't been able to, get this access and i was right right you know my parents were saving all their money in checking accounts and cash on hand um 
and they weren't taking advantage of a lot of the resources that they had. And it just pissed me off. And, it, 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 and this was eight years ago. And I was like, you know, I'm going to fix this problem. I don't know how, but this is just not right that my parents have been saving for 20 years and were not able to get the things that they needed. And they felt like they were getting penalized even though they were doing the right thing. So very quickly fast forwarding, you know, at that point, I really had a market change in what I wanted for myself and for, for, for my vocation uh, to the point where I just started doing a bunch of research, saw that tech was where people were trying to build things that were kind of pushing the needle and changing things. So I was like, looks like I got to get into tech. Um, and got into tech, worked at Dropbox for a little bit as a cybersecurity product manager. After that, went over to uh, Facebook where I was running a fintech product called Mobile Financial Services, where we were building digital wallets for people who had never had uh, the ability to transact digitally before. So I was running that team in Latam and APAC. Uh, and then, you know, I took the plunge into startups with my first idea. It was called Parable. It was a personal financial assistant offered as an employee benefit, helping you do the right thing with your money. And that was my first jump into to founding and, and being a fintech founder. And this is the beautiful part of the journey because this is where the adversity starts, right? Like this is where things didn't go according to plan. And, you know, my co-founder and I at the time split up and I was trying to figure out how to make this business work that was going to help people save and invest their money when so many couldn't. One in three Americans has nothing safe for retirement. And it just didn't, it, it didn't work out the way I had planned. And that was the first time I faced a ton of adversity. And the biggest thing that I decided to focus on was doubling down on finding somebody who I could work with. Because I had looked at the same problem over and over and over again from the same perspective. And I knew I just, I just needed a different perspective. And um, that's kind of when that uh, amazing collaboration or that collabo, dun, dun, dun. as they say, happens. Yes. And I, I met the, the best co-founder I've ever had. Um, <laughs> So I'll, I'll, I'll pause there. Wow, great. Love that story. Love that story. So Sheridan, share a little about your background as well. I think it's similar, but also different in many ways. Yes. So let's hear, let's hear your, your side of things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the quick on me is I kind of, I've always been just naturally hustling since I was a kid, like always trying to find different Hustler. incremental ways to make money or to work on projects, um, probably for better or for worse at some, at some point. Um, you know, I had kind of gotten into college at Northwestern when I was 15. Um, and unfortunately, that kind of coincided with my parents being in a really tricky financial spot. Um, so needed to help uh, them figure out a way to kind of cover the mortgage. Um, just so happens kind of at that point, the Yeezy and sneaker market was doing great. Um, so my first kind of serious side hustle was building this hedge fund. And hedge fund was a fancy word. Really, what we did is we just built bots I could like buy this stuff before they sold out. Um, so, you know, if you're ever mad that you can't get Hamilton tickets or Super Bowl tickets, it was my goal to be the reason that you're mad. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're the reason I couldn't get those the guy. Yep, yep. No, I'm the scum, scum of the earth, ticket scalper, <laughs> like you know, just, just basic, basic stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, so kind of you know, started that business uh, when I was young and kind of went through the process of like scaling it up to 10 million in revenue by the time I was 18. Um, so it really gave me just access to see a lot of things that I'd kind of never seen before that was never in my community. Um, ended up spending some time uh, when I was 17 and 18 working at JP Morgan and Goldman uh, doing private equity and venture capital. And similar to Mitchell's experience at Goldman, 
Um, super eyes wide open experience. I was like, finance is kick ass. Like, it's not just numbers on paper, but like, you can make a lot of money. You can make like 30, 40% year over year returns. You can become a billionaire. It's awesome. Um, what was a little less awesome is I was like the only black person who'd ever been on the team before. Um, and outside of that, much like Mitchell's experience, my parents had none of those same accesses, access to resources. Whereas like billionaires were going out making 20, 30% year over year returns. My parents were losing that amount because they had credit cards and student loan debt and payday lenders and just yeah. all of these things that made finance a non-awesome asset. Um, so kind of after that, while I was still in school, I was just tinkering around with a bunch of different fintech startups. One was in the private equity space. We helped give non-accredited investors access to it. Uh, and the complexity that we ran into there is it was just really hard to get people to invest in private equity when they only had like five grand in savings. Um, we ended up having a bunch of wealthier people with like a quarter million, half a million, a million dollars in assets who were interested. Um, but the people we really wanted to assist was the folks making less than 100000 a year. Um, who really needed that extra incremental money. Um, so kind of after I worked on that business for a year, I was trying to figure out a way of making a more kind of direct impact. Um, the space that seemed made, make sense was credit building. Um, so there was this whole idea that you pay your rent on a monthly basis. If you submit that rental payment to Equifax, TransUnion, um, it'll boost your credit because it's a form of debt. The complexity that we ran into, though, is we had to make money from the service in some way. Um, and the idea was, okay, we'll charge 50 bucks and 50 bucks might seem like a high expense, but when your credit gets boosted by a hundred points, you'll be so happy to pay it because a hundred point boost your credit, cheaper mortgage, cheaper yeah, car huge. loan, cheaper student debt. Exactly. Like it will literally make you $10,000 over the course of your life. Um, and when people like weren't signing up and weren't willing to actually pay that amount of money, uh, I had this like bias where it must be like lack of education. It must be a lack of information that these people have. If I can just better show them how important that boost to their credit is, they'll gladly pay the money because who wouldn't pay 50 bucks to make 10,000? Sure. Um, but I think, you know, more fundamentally, after talking to a lot of people, the thing I kept hearing time and time again is not that they didn't want to use it, not that they weren't interested in the product. The biggest problem was, dude, I don't have 50 bucks to give you. Mm -hmm. um, like we, were, we were going to payday lenders. We were working at these different places. There was just this fundamental problem across the board that the biggest reason these people and folks like my parents weren't saving and investing isn't because they didn't understand it or even that they didn't have the access. It was just the fact that they didn't have the money in the first place. It's really hard to put away $1,000 when you make 40K a year and you've got four kids. You just can't. Like you're spending all the money you get as it comes in. Um, so really, you know, it was just kind of like racking my brain on trying to figure out, like, how do we actually enable people to save and invest when they don't have the money to do that in the first place? Um, so that was kind of a little bit of the background Mitchell and I had coming into this business. Quick question here, Sheridan. Yeah. 10 million in revenue for a sneaker hedge fund? Yeah. <laughs> Did I get that yeah. correct? Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I think so, we've actually done close to like 25 million in rev. Uh, so today. it's still going? Yeah, still going. Um, my okay. dad was actually like the first kind of like full-time hire for the business. Uh, yeah. And he's been now kind of like operating it. And what's that one called? Uh, it's called Shoe Snatcher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Much more than a little side hustle or a, a ticket scalper operation <laughs> there. At yeah. It, yeah. It, it got to a point where it's like my entire house was full of sneakers. Um, 
almost went bankrupt a couple times because there was like some tricky spots of could we sell it, could we not. My assets certainly weren't worth, um, you know, I had 100% of my portfolio allocated to like specific easy releases. So <laughs> I'm very used to the idea of going all in on subsequent investments every time yeah. I go. No, it sounds like that, all in. So how did you go all in with Mitchell? How did you guys get connected? Yeah, um, so way we got connected, uh, I had a manager at Dropbox uh, who had worked with Mitchell before. Dude was singing his high praises, thought he was the best. Uh, you know, he was absolutely right, as it turns out. Um, but yeah, he was like, you got to chat with this person. Like, he's doing all this cool stuff. Um, and graciously, he was willing to give me the time to chat. Um, but yeah, no, it was awesome. So we ended up kind of meeting up. I was actually hearing about the business he was working on at the time, uh, Parable. Um, was hearing about some of the things we were working on. And, you know, I had kind of just like often mentioned, like there's a bunch of people at Dropbox in the 401k match. They're not using it. I wonder if there's some interesting stuff we can do to buy it. Um, and Mitchell just like immediately ran with it. You know, he had so much context in kind of like the broader financial services space. He had done so much work in it. Um, and it took it from this like half-baked kind of like hacky idea of what if we just help like 10 people at Dropbox get their 401k match to this much more fully fledged, like what would it look if we were to serve this product at scale? What would it mean to be the central destination where we help everyone get their 401k match and get their employee stock purchase plan? Like what is the scope of what we can build here? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think in the first conversation we had, it was scheduled for 30 minutes um, and we ended up talking for four or five hours. Um, wow. And I just thought this guy was the fucking coolest. <laughs> it's like looking up, it's like looking up no the you're the coolest oh there it is okay we, get, we have to accept for recording purposes so you guys can't hug it out but I'm Dude, we'd, be, we'd be literally hugging right now i'm just gonna tell you right now we'd be like, <laughs> okay. inter, 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 interviews over we gotta we gotta we gotta hug it out uh, <laughs> amazing okay. um so sheridan maybe for our viewers that are uh like me that are a little dense as far as the uh the financial world goes can you speak a little bit more about what exactly is a 401k match and how are you making people money using that yeah so the simplest way to talk about a 401k match is it is an employee benefit that companies offer um so let's take dropbox for example you know the company mitch and i both worked out what they offered was if you put in six thousand dollars to your 401k they will match it i.e they will give you an extra six thousand um, dollars and a lot of people if they haven't heard of a 401k match before uh they're like wait so like they're just giving you free money um and in essence yes like it really is the equivalent of like imagine it as a bank account here's six thousand dollars you put in this bank account and then chase is like hey we'll double your first deposit of six thousand we'll give you an extra six um the follow-up question people have to that is wait if they're just giving you six thousand dollars for free why wouldn't everyone be using that like why would anyone not have access to it um and it's because there's one stipulation so to be able to get that six thousand dollars you have to be willing to put in six thousand in the first place um and there's a lockup period on that money so if you're someone who makes a million dollars a year and you've got tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands in the bank you're using it every single time because as far as you're concerned, it is real, it is free money. There's no reason not to get it. However, if you're someone who makes 60K a year and you're spending this money from your paycheck as it comes in, you realize really quick uh, that you can't afford to part with that $6,000. Oh, I think you close. Oh, sorry about that. So, yeah, sorry. I think there was a little glitch there, but you're spending your money as it comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, so as a result, you can't afford to take a $6,000 reduction to your paycheck. Right. Um, so what Lendtable does is we make that contribution for you. So we say, hey, we know you have this 401k match, but we recognize that you're not currently contributing. We'll give you that $6,000. You'll put it in your 401k. You'll get that 401k match. And then in a year and when that money vests, we'll just get our six grand back. You now have made $6,000 from your 401k match that you wouldn't have had. And this is without having to take a reduction to your paycheck. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, Mitchell, being the, uh, the kind of technical guy here, uh, what was the moment in time where you figured you've been so deep in this idea for years, for years, and yeah. then when you get connected to Sheridan, you guys start spinning the idea a little bit, and you yeah. end up coming, settling down on the concept that Sheridan is shared. But from your yeah. perspective, how did that all play out for you, and what was, what was your experience in this whole idea generation? generation? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think the the name of the game when you're building companies is first find someone who compliments you, right? Like I'd say that to anybody who's listening right now. It's like step one is you're not going to be. It's very hard to do it alone. Some people can, but I would say most people it's, it's very difficult. Um, but number two is you just need someone to check all of the things that you 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 think you know. Um, and for me, you know, you, you know, my story is one of I've been wanting to do this. You know, I took the jobs, I took everything I did, learning about the space, knowing every single company front to back, what they do, even the spaces that I'm not in, all so that I could be at this one moment. And what that meant is when things weren't going how I thought they would in my mind, I had all these ideas, but I had known who had done them before. I had known what hadn't worked before. I knew that the technology wasn't available for X service yet, and they were trying to make it better or it costs too much to be able to do it as an individual company. So for me, you know, there, when you get to the, those moments, there's a few things you do. One, you keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep waking up every day and you keep going into work and you keep trying to figure it out. But two is you gotta get out of what is like the myopathy or like the very, very close-minded view and try to find people who can help you see it from a different angle. When you're building products, the main thing you do is you talk to people. When you're trying to find someone who has a different perspective or another co-founder or something like that, you just got to keep talking to people. And even when you think that there might not be anything in that conversation, who knows? It could be the conversation of a lifetime. The funny thing about, you know, the conversation we had, it had been a long day for me. Uh, Sheridan rolled through by the office. It was maybe like 10 um, or something like that. We just literally, you know, he came in. He's infectious. We just start riffing, 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 riffing. And the question he asked me about Parable was, if you focus on just one thing, what would you start with? And I was like, oh, well, it's easy. The first thing you, for most people, what they should do, if they don't have debt or if they, and if they have like, you know, emergency savings, you should just get your 401k match. It is a guaranteed 50 to 100% return and one in four people don't get the full thing. And then as soon as I said one, he's like, wait a minute, so you mean to tell me one in four people who have a 401k match are not getting this? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, this is so interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been noticing this at Dropbox. Why don't we just give people the money to the match? And when I heard that, it was like, oh, holy hell. Like that is something that literally, I've looked at this space for so long and the idea of giving people the money they need to get the free money and just taking, taking participation in that shared experience or that found money is very powerful. 
unlocks a lot of other products. But what it comes down to at the end of the day is that is sharing its superpower, is looking at things from a different angle, you know, and that check on me where I know here's how we're going to get to X, Y, and Z next goal. Here's what we need to do for operational excellence as a team. I know like those things, I know those things very well because I've done a lot of them before. The awesome part about having a good teammate is they literally balance you out where you're at your weakest. And, mm-hmm. you know, so for our whole story is when that moment happened, we riffed for another three hours. Yeah. And then, you know, he was still at Dropbox. I was biking over to Dropbox um, so we could riff at his office. And I was like, you know, also doing parable on the side. It's like when you, when you think there's something that's there, you double down on it and you spend all your time trying to figure it out. And I think like that was one of the things that was so amazing about working with Mitch is I come up with ideas. Um, I have a million fucking ideas all the time. That's the only thing I've ever done since I was a kid. I can come up with a million ideas. But here's the thing. I've never built a billion dollar company. Um, and that's because there's having an idea is one thing. Having some little seed that's interesting is compelling. But there's so many compelling little interesting seeds out there. It's about understanding how to execute. It's about understanding what to focus on. Um, And I'm sure even in that first conversation, there was a bunch of other things that both he and I had talked about that wouldn't have ended up being the right route, but might have sounded really compelling and interesting at the time. And I think Mitchell's ability to really, like, one, be really just open and kind of receptive to new ideas, but also understanding, like, here's what we need to do to actually execute this. Like, okay, cool. The whole idea of giving people money for their 401k match sounds interesting, but there's a million and a half ways you could do it in which it doesn't help anyone. And here's the actual path for how we scale this, how we make it self-serve, how we make it possible to build this massive suite of products around it, how we turn it into an actual billion dollar company instead of just, oh, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we gave a couple of our buddies money for their 401k match and then, you know, made a hundred grand off it. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, and I think really that's, you know, that, that's, that's Mitchell's superpower, the ability to just like really take this like very you know generalized concept and go super deep and understand, especially with all the experience he has on how to build, how to execute, how to manage um, the things that are necessary in place to do it. Um, you know, I'd say it's really easy to have the idea for SpaceX. It's a hell of a lot ha- fucking harder to build a bunch of rocket ships. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's something I want to highlight for our listeners is what I'm hearing from you too basically is a successful company must be a combination of idea and execution, right? And at the end of the day, if you can have a team or a partner that can add a piece of that puzzle, whether it's idea execution, maybe a mixed bag between the two, what you have then is this incredibly powerful team that's in love with the product or the idea that has the skills and has the ability to challenge that idea or spin it in a different direction when you need to have it. So I think for those listening, for looking for founder partners, or maybe they have an idea they're passionate about, consider a partner, but make sure that they're they're different from you, if that's what I'm hearing. Absolutely. So I have a question. A couple of the challenges that I've heard from you guys are number one, getting people to pay for the service, mm-hmm. and number two, educating people on mm-hmm. why they should. Um, and you guys are both relatively young gentlemen as well. So my question is, I guess, how do you get people to to believe in you? How do you get people to take you serious to let you, somebody who's, you know, relatively young, manage their finances when they might be 40, 45, 50 years old? Mm-hmm. What do you, you got any thoughts on that? 
Uh, sure, sure. I, I mean, I can talk to you. The first thing on, uh, you know, the way we kind of have, like convince people to help manage their finance, I think we have an advantage where most financial advisors are like, hey, give me $10,000 and I'll show you how to best use this $10,000. I think our unique advantage is the fact that we're like, hey, let us give you $10,000 mm-hmm. um, and then let us help you manage the money that we're giving you. Um, and I think that's kind of the biggest thing we've seen is like that idea of, you know, we're very explicit kind of with our users. Like the reason... We make money is sure, you know, we're taking like 10%, but it's not really an interest rate. It's really a profit split. We're very explicit in the sense that we only get paid if we make you money. Like if you don't get money from your 401k match, if you don't get money from your ESPP, if something crazy happens and, you know, you're out of luck on the money, we're out of luck too. Like our pricing model is entirely predicated on making you more money. Um, And I think that's just like a huge advantage we have over any other fintech company, because a lot of the times they're charging either a subscription fee or a management fee. um, And we're just like, we don't want any of that. Like, we just want to get some small percentage of what we make you. And what that means is we need to make you money or we don't make you money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the one thing I'll add on top of that is it literally comes down to we want to exude trust as a company in our brand and our product. So any one of our team members you go to, if you ask them what's our number one value, because that's one of the first things we did was write our values. Our number one value is to be worthy of trust, right? Um, we are a finance company first. Uh, our second value is create real value, right? We don't do things if it's not going to actually help our users, right? And trustworthiness is the most important currency, in my opinion, of any financier, any financial institution. Right. And that can be destroyed overnight. So when we talk about trust, that's how we treat each other as a team. It's how we treat our customers. It's the fact that we want to try to respond to every single message that comes in on our customer service board in under 30 minutes. Right. Like we want to be fast. Right. We only have a team of seven, but it feels like we have a team of 100. And the reason why is we double down on the experience feeling trustworthy. Right. And that's what you have to do in your early days. Right. And Sometimes it's like, oh, you could let uh, that intercom message sit in the inbox for an hour. I try to get the team, Sheridan tries to get the team. We all try to get the team to do everything in under three minutes, right? Like that type of value exudes trust. And also just making sure that in our pricing, it's very straightforward. It's very easy to understand. So it's very important to really, really highlight that and always double down on got to be trustworthy. Um, And I think the the awesome part, and you know, Sheridan, you did just a really good job in the beginning. It's like we need to help people understand very clearly we are on your side here. We are participating in the upside. And that was the thing that you know, when when Sheridan, when you first said that, it's just like that unlocks so much of the conundrum of doing what is like consumer-based uh, fintech, right? It's very very difficult to figure out how do you get the trust without charging people a bunch of money up front for something that they don't even know if it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I actually love that idea of trust being a combination of, uh, of communication and, and really making things you know, quickly, uh, responding to clients, making them timely, but also transparency, right? Good communication and transparency in your pricing, transparency in your values, that is how you build trust with your client base and overcome the fact that both of you are, you know, early 20s, early 30s, and, uh, you know, new, new, to, new to this company. It's a new concept. Um, 
Uh, my understanding too is you guys have recently received venture funding. What was that journey like? Um, yeah, I mean, initially, so we started the business uh, in March of 2020, um, which unless you guys are unaware of, that it was the time of Corona and that was first popping up. Um, so I think that was, to be, at the beginning, it was kind of hellish. You know, no one was taking our phone calls because they were worried that the entire broader economy was going to collapse. Um, Mitchell and I were trying to do as many calls as we possibly could, just trying to scrounge together anything we could from kind of friends and family. Um, and I think, you know, we were incredibly lucky that we had Foundation Capital come on board, um, you know, some close friends and family, some angel investors who were so grateful to kind of have at the early inception of our business. Um, and then I think once we, one, got over the hump of Corona, realizing that at least in the tech sector, um, yes, people were affected, but that also means like there's even more impact we can make on the 401k side and helping people save in the mess. Um, and also, we just proved out our model. We showed that, no, like you really can make a profitable business by making lower income people a lot of money. There's actually so much promise. There's so much opportunity that's left out here. Um, and then that conversation changed a lot from it being nearly impossible for us to fundraise to admittedly, a lot of us, a lot of people wanted to throw us money. Um, it's kind of really interesting to go through that experience, to go through that kind of like shift in perspective from people. Sounds exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh, where are you guys at now in your journey? As we wrap up, wrap up this podcast, I want to get a sense from you guys. Where are you now? You've raised some money and, um, kind of share what your plans are for the future. Yeah. yeah. So today um, we've raised $6 million. Uh, we've got a team of eight. Uh, we're currently serving products for both 401k matches as well as employee stock purchase funds. Mitch, you kind of want to add some more color on where we're looking to go? Yeah, I think I think the, the way you think about it is you're always looking at the, the three month out, the one month out and like the year out. And I think right now we're in a place where we're kind of trying to get three key goals. Number one is get our full team hired as fast as we can. Because uh, when you're at full capacity, you can obviously move faster. Um, number two is double down on our core business. And really, 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 I, I think the first year of our business was proving that like our thesis was right. You know, a lot of investors didn't believe that people would want to do this, right? So proving that our thesis was right. And now it's about how do we meet our users where they are? How do we speak to them in a language that makes sense? And how do we like meet them where they are, right? Um, one thing I will always tell to a lot of founders is your goal is to not talk how you want to, how you think something should be heard. It's to make your product speak to the people who want to use your product. Um, so I think that's a very big goal we have right now. And that's why we're really excited for um, the marketing hire who's about to come on. She's an absolute um, killer. She's, she's, she's great, um, super sharp, and, and, and we're really excited about her. Um, but also just finally, just really doubling down. I think as, as we grow, Sheridan and I are moving out of a lot of the, we were doing every single thing. And now it's how do we hire really awesome people to help us with that and also continue to facilitate that culture, right? Um, one of the other big things about us is, and I think it's, you know, it's indicative of who we both are as people is we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, we want to make sure the environment that we work in is fun. And we want to make sure that anyone who comes to the team is valued and feels included, but also can be themselves and really, really say, yo, man, we're working on a really freaking hard problem. Let's grind to get that problem done, but let's have fun as we do it. So to wrap it up, you know, now it's about grow, double down. Number two, meet our users where they are, understand how to best talk to them. 
and meet them where they are. And then number three, it's just simply transition ourselves into helping make sure we can make our teammates very, very successful. Um, because that is the other big thing when you when you first get fundraising, because Sheridan is incredible at doing it, you're then like, oh, dang, I guess now we got to figure out how to help other people do this and create processes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of where we are now. I'm certainly taken after Mitch trying to figure out how he's such a good manager. He's a phenomenal team leader. <laughs> manager. So I'm trying to build up that skill set. I can hear Dog, that already. I can hear that already. We've got the process guy and the idea guy, both both making it happen. That's amazing. Yeah. But it's funny, the culture the culture is a mix of both of us. You, yeah. know, you have like Marvel uh, figurines and stuff in the office that Sharon got me for my birthday because I'm a huge Marvel fan. We have like Share Bears all over the office. We got anime. Um, it's funny. I mean, our mascot is, uh, we call him Night Bear. Uh, we stay in the office kind of late and at night we just literally turn on this like beautiful Share Bear light. And it literally lights up the journey. Um, we so love overall, that. We love yeah. that. I walk into the Weaver's really office I, and I just see Sheridan <laughs> getting after it at the ping pong table. That's right. right. <laughs> it's Those a right are a good time. Kind of play a game. <laughs> That's great. Amazing. Well, guys, congratulations on the journey. We loved, love your product. Love the idea of helping the disadvantaged build wealth. Uh, really noble goal. And it sounds like... Um, a bright future ahead. So as we close, thank you both Sheridan and Mitchell for your time. And Alex and I want to special send a special thank out to the folks at 44 Montgomery here we work for helping us get set up. We're oh, calling it live from San Francisco. And thank you once again. Yeah, hey guys, just right before we close up, do you have anything you want to say to uh, the user base or the, the listeners? Where can they find you? Shout out any websites or anything like that? Mm-hmm. If you want help getting your 401k match or employee stop purchase plan, or just want to chat about personal finances, check us out, lendtable.com. Lendtable on Instagram, Twitter, you know, all of the socials. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, everyone out there, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.